And as I look at the clock, I realize that our time in the Word today is going to have to be done in two sessions, which is all right. We never want to rush through this time around the Lord's table. But we've really come to a kind of an important segment of the Word of God because it's one of the, the few places that addresses a really crucial issue. If you've been with us, you know that what the Lord has done in the heart of Paul is he has given Paul a, a real compassion and a love for the people at Corinth, in, in spite of the fact that they have been a pretty um, rebellious group, uh, pretty undisciplined They've had their problems, but Paul has expressed time and time again how much he loves them and how much he cares for them. And the, the hardness of the things that he has revealed to them is really for their good, and it's because he loves them. And uh, I'm sure they would have liked things to have been more gentle, and they would have liked them to be much more, I feel good, but you know the Lord knows what we need. And so Paul had to hit some things head on, but then he reassured them of his love. And then one of the neat things that happened for Paul was Titus went to Corinth to find out how they had received the letters that he had written. And Titus came back with a good report. And what we looked at in chapter 7 really dealt with the issue of the returned love that the Corinthians had for the Apostle Paul. And they confirmed that love through a variety of different ways. And now Paul is speaking to them on a different level. It's not really dealing with the problems anymore, though the instruction is going to be extremely important. And he comes to an issue that is as practical as anything that I know. How do we handle our material wealth? And we've come to this portion of God's Word in chapters 8 and 9, with anticipation of this. When you want to know the Lord's pattern for giving in the church today, this is where you go. The law gives us some principles, but it does not establish for the New Testament church the basis upon which we give. Now, what is interesting and what emerges here is Paul does something to teach the church at Corinth about their giving by doing something that he finds to be one of his favorite ways of communicating truth. He lays before them an example. Now, the primary example is one that we've already read, and I didn't tell you where this passage had come from, but it is buried right in the middle of the instruction concerning the Corinthians using their material goods for the furtherance of God's work. Look down in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That becomes the watershed for everything else that is said about the issue of giving. And what Paul is now going to do is he is going to make reference to a group of churches in Macedonia. Macedonia would be north of the churches 
in Corinth and uh, the, the, the churches that had risen up in the lower part of what would be present-day Greece. The northern churches would include Philippi, it would include Thessalonica, it would include Berea. And we're familiar with all three of those because two of them had extensive letters written to them. In fact, the Thessalonians received two letters, and and part of it was they were going through some really tough times. And they were experiencing a great deal of persecution and trouble and loss of uh, material things themselves. They they were not in great shape. Um, So Paul wrote to them two letters that were designed for the purpose of giving them great hope and great comfort and encouragement concerning the return of the Lord. And, and we will see that as we turn our attention, uh, even in our own study, to, to the books of First and Second Thessalonians. Then, to the Philippians, as you read through that, you are going to find that there is a theme that continues to emerge time and time again. And Paul is telling them, hey, be joyful, rejoice. And we might say, well, now, you know, that's easy for him to say. These poor Macedonian churches are going through very, very difficult times. But then when we realize where Paul was writing this letter from, then we begin to understand Paul was not taking advantage of a pleasant situation. He was in prison when he wrote to them, be joyful. Allow joy. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And so he's writing to these churches, and then we're familiar with the Bereans because of their integrity. They were the people that the Lord said were willing to examine the Scriptures to see that whatever Paul was preaching was true to the Word of God. And that became a pattern for churches everywhere. You you should never leave here just assuming that everything I say is true I hope it will be I hope I will not fail but you are responsible for embracing the truth as God has revealed it just like the Bereans did they examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true because no man is infallible but God's word is And so we examine his word. So anyway, we set that background as we look at these verses. And I'd like you to go through them with me. We're going to take a little bit different approach in this than we normally do. And um, in all likelihood, uh, we're not going to get into the little outline that we usually do today. We're just going to deal with the, the introduction. Okay? Okay, you're all right with that. Okay, in the first verse, I'm I'm just going to go through these verse by verse because it's a whole change in, in the way things are communicated, in the way things are done. Here he says this, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. All right, we've already looked at that. It's the Thessalonians, it's the Bereans, it's the Philippians, Philippi, Macedonia, or pardon me, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Those were the the cities in which the churches were located. Then he goes on in verse 2 to say this, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. 
They're going through these terrible times of trial, and what are they doing? They are giving, even though they themselves are are really stretched to the limit. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, now listen, I want you to look at these people up in Macedonia, because this is the way we need to handle things. This is going to be a reflection of the attitude that the Lord wants us to have toward the issues related to our material goods. He goes on, well, in fact, um, let me just say this. At, at this particular point, Paul knew this church, uh, these churches in Macedonia very well because they were the only churches that gave to him while he was on his ministries. In fact, Philippi was the only church that really came through and gave financially, which, by the way, you'll have to understand, this is going to be a little bit disjointed because I'm trying to get a lot in here and there's all these little things are firing into my head. But the verse that we love to, to quote, but my God shall supply all of your riches according to his glory in Christ Jesus. No, my God shall supply all of your... My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There, there was a little burp in there, okay? But, but you understand? And people grab that verse and they run with it as if it's saying, every believer has the assurance that God is going to supply all their needs. That is not what it's saying. You have to read the context, and the context is really reflected in what Paul is saying here. The Philippians had been giving generously to carry on the Lord's work, not only through Paul, but they are now going to be giving to the needs, the necessities of the believers in Jerusalem. The believers in Jerusalem are going through a terrible time. They are being persecuted. Their goods are being stolen from them. The Romans are taking them. They're under persecution from their own people. The the religious leaders of the day are putting them under their thumb. And they are just they're just barely surviving. And now Paul says to the Philippians, You have given very generously. You have taken care of the needs of God's people, and you've cared for me. You're the only church that helped provide for my needs as I was carrying the gospel to all these other churches. Because of that, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It is a dependence upon the appropriate behavior. It is a reflection of response to action that was right. You cannot claim that unless you're willing to be like the Philippians. So, just keep that in mind whenever you quote that verse. Now we come to verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing they gave more than anyone could have expected. You know, there, there are expectations that you would have. It's kind of like we, we set a budget because we have expectations of what we can receive from our congregation. We, we evaluate where we've been in the past. We look at the needs of the church. We look at, at the ministries that are going on, and we say, now, how do we bring these together? And we have an anticipation. Well, that's not unique to us. Paul is now saying this. You could have expected certain things from the churches in Macedonia. You could have anticipated them. And they went beyond the anticipation. As a matter of fact, when you get to verse 4, you find out an interesting 
implication here. He says, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. (laughs) Do you all get this? The the, the subtlety of this expression will, will, will escape us unless we take a moment and say, listen, do you understand what's being said here? When we give it's usually based upon an appeal. Now, the appeal can be a very low-key appeal. It can be, uh, we're about to receive our offering, which will go to the furtherance of the ministry here, the, uh, the satisfying of the debts that are incurred by the, by the ministry, and that's it. And then there are others where the appeals go way beyond that, and they become something that the Lord never intended. Do you notice that Paul is not appealing to the churches in Thessalonica or in Berea or in Philippi? They are begging him to take the offering. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if one Sunday I just said, you know what, we're not going to receive an offering this morning. And you all stood up and in chorus said, oh yes you are. We're going to give today and you can't stop us. <laughs> do, you, do you all get It must hit me differently than it hits you because I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, that's what Paul is saying. Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Um, Generally what happens in in the the church today is something like this. Oh, there he goes again. And by the way, if you're a guest here today and you say, of all Sundays to be here, I wonder if he's on money every week. By the way, do you all understand, I kind of shy away from talking about anything monetary until we come to it in the scriptures and then we focus on it. That's where we are today, and if you're here as a guest and you're saying, oh, all they ever talk about in churches is money, which is kind of the reputation that churches have. Um, You just came on the wrong Sunday, my friend. (laughs) And don't come next Sunday or the following, all right? For three weeks, we're going to be on this. So anyway, I'm just telling you the way it is. That's kind of the deal. Anyhow, here is... The churches from Macedonia saying, we are insisting that you take our gifts for our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. That's in addition to what they had already been providing for the work of the Lord, especially as they had been giving to the Apostle Paul in his ministry. Then you come to verse 5. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And I think that's a real important key. The issues of their material stewardship were determined initially by their own personal relinquishing of selfish desires and giving themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves first. So for giving of the material wealth, 
That was all part and parcel of it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul is looking at these churches and he's saying, now, Corinthians, let's lay hold of this. This is God's pattern. This is what he wants from his church. Verse 6, So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. Do you remember we said that Titus had gone back to Corinth to check on how things were going? And now Paul is saying this, Titus is coming back and he's going to collect this offering that we are hoping you will give on behalf of the suffering brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem. Verse 7, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Well, This church at Corinth, even though they had had problems, they were a tremendously gifted church. Do you remember how Paul had addressed the issues of spiritual gifts with them? And he talked to them about not only the spiritual gifts, but there was also the evidence that these were people who had a great deal going for them apart from their failures in their walk with the Lord. And he's saying, you had all these blessings and you did all these wonderful things and you've got all these gifts now. Add to that the reality of bringing your material wealth under the authority of God's control. That's the area you need to address next. Verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Wow. I love you. I love you. I love you. The words just can roll out. But you know what the proof of true love is? It's giving. Listen to what the scripture says. 1 John. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. It's easy to say I love you. Sadly, the world has meant this in a very inappropriate way. But this is the truth. If you love me, prove it. Prove it. 
Well, as we go on, and I'll have to do this very quickly, we come to verse 9, which is the basis upon which our giving is founded. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. Now, there's intention, okay? I intend. Uh, how, ma- how many times did you ever intend to do something good and it never happened? That, that's kind of w- where Paul is with the Corinthians. He's saying to them now, you intended to do good. Then you come to the next verse. But now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. In other words, you've expressed your intention. Now now let's have some action. Let's see that this happens. And that last little phrase is really important. Out of what you have. The Lord does not anticipate that we give from what we don't have. But we give from what we have. And that can be very, very different from one individual to the next. That's why we don't have such a a hard and fast rule, here's what you give. No, the Lord's going to open this up to a great work of grace. And he's going to say, according to what you have. He goes on then to say this. For if there is first a willing mind... It is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. You know, sometimes your heart can be so moved that you start to make commitments that you can't later fulfill. He says, be careful about that too. Evaluate what you're going to do. Evaluate your involvement. Evaluate the commitments you make. But be sure they're within your capability according to what you have. Now, these last three verses can be a little bit problematic unless we understand them in the way that they were intended to be understood. Verse 13, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. There you have it. Socialism. And we have been speaking out against some of the decisions our government has recently made, saying, well, what are they trying to do? Take away from the workers and give to those who refuse? Well, no, there are people who have general needs, and then there are those that are a bunch of lazy bums, and they they cash in too. And, And so wouldn't that be the right thing to do? That is not what this is saying. This is not saying that there is an equality across the board. It is this. There is an equality of needs being met. No one lives in need while others live in extravagance. And so what do you do? Those with the means provide for those with the need. And that is a biblical perspective, but not a forced perspective by the government. That is from our hearts. It's what we do to say to people, you have a need, I have the means to help supply that need, I'm going to give to you. Now, it doesn't mean that suddenly my bank account 
and your bank account go like this. That is not what is meant. What is meant is this. Here's my bank account. Here you are. Here's the level you have to have your needs met. I'm going to do this. Do you all understand that? Do you see what the equality issue is there? It's an equality of needs being met. And that's why he says in verse 15, As it is written, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. A, A quotation from the Old Testament scriptures and something to help us gain a perspective. All right. I regret having to stop here, but we do. Next week, we're going to look at the propositions that arise out of this portion of God's Word, and the following week, we'll go on into the ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians. The two primary chapters related to the believer's responsibility to give, and more than that, the believer's privilege to give. Let me me just kind of conclude with this. Isn't it a great thing Regardless of the amount, not talking about amount, but isn't it a great thing to be able to give? Isn't that a blessing? It's a reflection of our love, just as it was a reflection of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave. Let's stand. Father, sometimes as we preach through your word, it becomes an annoyance. It becomes an invasion. We're not particularly happy. We feel that we're constantly being challenged. Father, we certainly would like to have much more soothing, much more comforting. But your word tells us that we are to preach the word, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort. Father, as we have looked at this portion of your word, for some, it may have been a reproof. For others, it may be a rebuke. And for others, It may be an exhortation. Help us, Father, not to desire to see things our way, but to see things your way, so that Jesus Christ will have all the glory. In his name we pray, amen.